Hi, and welcome to the Hingham Cast. I'm your host, Allie Donnelly. The Hingham Cast is hyper local, looking at the world through the lens of one small town, my town, here on Boston's South Shore. We launched in the height of the pandemic, and over the last 10 months, we've dug into everything from child mental health to local elections, from our schools to our small business, from red hot real estate to South Shore bar pizza. We want to show up, connect, and build community. One way is getting to know our neighbors. Today's episode is a Hingamcast profile. Now, when you're hosting a podcast in your own community, it's impossible not to have personal connections with some of your guests. Full disclosure, my next guest is a close friend, but he runs a fascinating company with work tied to national defense, maritime security, environmental protection, really interesting stuff. Meet John Serafini. Okay, so what are we looking at? That's the South China Sea, in particular, uh, a region called Mischief Reef. John Serafini chooses his words carefully. Even though I'm a friend and neighbor, I'm still a journalist. Walking me through a company video, there's only so much about his work he can share. Well, this video is about identifying vessels associated with uh, Chinese naval forces and understanding their location as well as their activities. John is the CEO of a company called Hawkeye 360. The scenario he's sharing is to illustrate how Hawkeye's constellation of space satellites work. They're in clusters of three, each about the size of a microwave oven spinning through space, sweeping the Earth below. What are all these little lights? I'm looking at dots in the ocean representing boats that have turned off their mandatory identification systems, the signal that lets other ships know their position. So they've gone dark. Presumably they've gone dark. Or think they've gone dark. Correct. If operators are fishing illegally, smuggling drugs, human trafficking, poaching, they don't want to be detected or tracked. But as John explains, vessels can't go completely dark because they still need to communicate on some level. And the walkie-talkies or sat phones, even radar they're still using, throw off RF, or radio frequency, picked up and geolocated by Hawkeye satellites peering down from lower Earth orbit, or about 500 kilometers into space. Basically, any emitter uh, on the face of the Earth above a watt in power, we can detect. We can geolocate that emitter and we can analyze the information about the emitter and convert that into actionable intelligence products for our customers. Okay, okay. So your satellites are kind of sweeping an area and they're pulling in this RF data from walkie-talkies or you know, ship emitters or whatever it is. What's happening? Sure. So there's three to five trillion dollars worth of negative externalities that occur in the global maritime environment. Uh, things like uh, illegal fishing, which is a $30 billion a year problem, uh, drug trafficking, human smuggling, piracy, oil sanction violations, just horrific tragedies of the common that occur all around us because there aren't great technologies to detect the bad activity. Uh, what we can do with our satellites is detect vessel activity and be able to track vessels, particularly those vessels that do not want to be found, hmm. uh, that try to make themselves, quote unquote, dark. When they're doing so, the presumption is that they're likely behaving in an illegal manner, B, 
be it fishing or smuggling, or perhaps they are uh, vessels that are masquerading as fishing vessels, but are really actually agents of a foreign navy, etc. We can detect these vessels. We can track them. We can start to extract intelligence about what they're doing. And then very importantly, we can use machine learning and artificial intelligence to forecast where those vessels will be in the future and what kind of bad activity they may be engaged in Mm. with the intention to then deliver that knowledge to the appropriate interdiction authorities to stop the bad behavior from occurring in the future. So is it fair to say these are commercialized spy satellites? That is a fair statement. We are the first company to do this in the commercial ecosystem as opposed to in the classified environment. Military environment. Classified military environment, correct. So who are your clients or type, I don't know what you can say, but who are your clients or type of clients? As you would imagine, uh, this type of functionality in space and the kind of data that we can collect, as well as the analysis that we can do about that data, lends itself towards uh, security, defense, and intelligence customers. And not just supporting within the U.S. government, uh, but also uh, their defense and intelligence counterparts internationally with our American allies. Can you name any of the other foreign governments that are clients? I can't name our customers internationally. However, that being said, it shouldn't be surprising to you that we focus on uh, NATO countries. Uh, And then, of course, we focus on what's referred to as the five I countries, uh, including the U.S., Canada, New Zealand, Australia, uh, and the United Kingdom. I want to take a quick break to say, if you like the podcast, follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Rate and review us, share us on social media, or push us out to a friend. Community journalism does not survive without support. Okay, let's get back to our conversation with John and hear about some specific Hawkeye operations he can talk about. So... In the last couple of weeks, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency gave Hawkeye a $10 million contract to track and map RF emissions around the world. So I want to pause here for a second. For people who don't know what the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency is, don't worry, I Googled it. It's a combat support agency inside the Department of Defense. So it's in charge of collecting, analyzing, distributing intelligence tied to physical locations. So essentially what we talked about, a spying operation. Now, from what I've read, they've used your data to find guerrilla camps, mobile missile launchers to track warships, pirate ships like you talked about, unauthorized fishing, elephant poachers. Is that right? Those are indicative of the kind of activities that we're able to track. I think the the poaching one is fascinating. You You have African national parks the size of U.S. states with huge territories to be patrolled and just a small number of of rangers to do that work to protect these animals. Uh, At the same time, they're dealing with uh, particularly uh, difficult adversaries. They have rebel forces sometimes operating in their borders. They have poaching activity and they're effectively blind in terms of where those individuals may be operating. With our capabilities, we can detect certain types of communication traffic 
and be able to provide the Rangers with what we call dots on the map, effectively giving them the location of the emitters that we can associate with poachers or rebel forces, etc., that allows the Rangers a better sense of where the bad activity may occur in the future, which allows them to optimize their patrol routes and protect the animals to a better degree. So, you know, I know we talked kind of in generalities about illegal fishing or maritime activity, but give me some specific examples. A lot of our work occurs uh, both in the classified and confidential realm. So it's difficult for me to point to a lot of different publicly available vignettes that I can speak about on this line. However, uh, we did track a certain type of fishing activity, squid fishing activity, outside of Oman that we were able to associate with fishing vessels that were illegally operating within waters associated with the Oman Economic Exclusion Zone. And Hawkeye matched the data that you were getting from RF signals to NASA satellites. Is that correct? What we did in that case was we identified interesting RF activity off the coast of Oman. Uh, And then we looked for another source of intelligence to validate what we were seeing. Um, Sometimes we use electro-optical, which is regular imagery, uh, but sometimes imagery can be blocked by the presence of clouds or weather, certainly not as effective at night. In this case, we were able to task uh, a specific type of modality from NASA that detects light. Uh, And we used that to help correlate the RF signals to a series of fishing vessels that were popping up on this other source of imagery to collaborate what we were doing. I see. So you were picking up RF signals. The NASA satellites were picking up kind of a very powerful light, which is a signal that these fishermen were squid hunting. Think of it as the satellites working in partnership with one another. Got it. Got it. Okay. So Congress is pushing the Biden administration to use more commercial satellites like yours, but instead of relying heavily on military satellites. Aren't the military satellites better? I mean, why can't the military just do this themselves? It's a great question. And the way in which we present Hawkeye is that we are an augmentation to existing systems and future systems, that we can perform a lot of the quote unquote, easier tasks on orbit uh, that can be offloaded from other systems to us to be able to perform. And that allows the government to operate on a more cost-effective basis instead of using taxpayer capital to build the satellite and taking taxpayer risk to launch the assets. We pool private financing to then build our own satellites that we own And then we launch those with our partners into space. We take the risk whether or not we'll be able to get those satellites up on orbit. We take the risk of operating them once they're in space. I see. So your satellites might not be as high powered or, you know, in detail as the military satellites, but they're cheaper to make. You can put up more of them without taking government resources. And if the satellite gets attacked or you know knocked out of the play, so to speak, it's not going to cost the military and therefore taxpayers gazillions of dollars to replace. And the key is thinking about converting the government's traditional procurement process of buying assets uh, to buying a service. So much more efficient 
and allows the government to scale significantly uh, the amount of capital that they have available for this type of modality. And the data that we collect is fully shareable. It's not classified, meaning that it can be provided to coalition partners. It can be put into the media. It can be used uh, from a diplomacy perspective to name and shame bad activity without having to disclose the way in which our nation collects that kind of data traditionally. So, John, as a journalist, I get a little hinky here thinking about privacy. You've got these satellites overhead collecting data. And as a U.S. citizen or any private citizen, why shouldn't that alarm me? What are you tracking publicly, so to speak? Our satellites are in a polar orbit, which means that they are over everywhere on Earth at some point over the course of of the day. Uh, And we have different missions depending upon where we are and where we're collecting and and what the customer wants. Uh, What I would uh, emphasize with you is a couple of things. One, these are not signals intelligence satellites. We're not looking at the data itself inside the message. We're, we're looking at the, the externals of the RF signal um, and trying to understand more about the emitter itself, the location of it in particular. We're not looking at the content of the signal. The second thing is that we don't collect or geolocate or detect any cell phones. Cell phones typically emit well below a watt in power, uh, which is uh, significantly below the threshold needed for us to be able to detect the signal from space. So we're not doing anything that would in any way be connected to uh, identifying normal individual cell phone behavior. So if I'm thinking, hey, this is a little big brothery from a private company, you're not tracking my cell phone or its data. But if you're over Hingham right now, give me a practical example of what you could be collecting. Well, uh, certainly we could be looking at things like port activity, river activity, maritime activity. And we can use that as a barometer of economic output. Uh, And we've done that uh, in many different locations around the world, looked at the uh, signal patterns and how they shift over time in connecting them with output indicators. So talk to me, the English major, not the uh, economics expert. What do you mean indicators? What would like, just give me a very practical example of how that could be used or, or give me a very practical example of, you know, you say tracking vessel activity or weather or whatever. Give me what a client would want that for. Sure. If you are taking pictures from space, you could take a picture of a Walmart and look at the parking lot and connect the number of cars in that parking lot to a likely output of the store. Um, What we do is something similar. Let's say we were looking for the RF pattern of life of an oil platform in the North Sea. We can see how that RF profile changes over time. Maybe there's more L-band sat phone communication at certain periods of time than less. And we can use that to make some conclusions on the amount of output of oil coming from that platform. That same concept can apply to a mobile missile launch capability to be able to track it and then determine its periods of use um, and when it changes. 
And that's important intelligence uh, for our customers. Let's pause here to thank our media partners at the Hingham Anchor. To put a face to John's voice and see images from Hawkeye satellites, go to HinghamAnchor.com. Okay, let's get back to our conversation with John and hear about what's on the horizon for Hawkeye. So you've got these satellites up here. You've got government contracts. You're doing the work we've talked about. What's next? What's next kind of mile marker for you guys? So we've raised about $150 million in equity, and that's sufficient capital to build the constellation. The big next step is being able to substantiate the cost to replenish that constellation long-term with revenue. Uh, as we increase the amount of revenue, the retained earnings will allow us to uh, replenish the constellation on orbit, if not grow it significantly over time. And we think that that's a pathway for us to continue to mature as a company. You know, you talk a lot about kind of big government operations someplace else. What could Hawkeye's satellites be used for? One of the things I've read about for Hawkeye's application is crisis response. Tell me what that means. Well, let me preface my statements by saying that this is work that's ongoing and in research and development to be able to do uh, in the future. But generally, the idea is we can create a baseline map of cellular infrastructure in places that are susceptible to natural disasters, think in Florida, uh, before a hurricane or other natural disaster occurred such that after a hurricane comes through, we can analyze that same area looking for RF signals and determine the changes. And by doing so, we can determine where cellular infrastructure might be impaired or might be interfered with to allow the authorities to repair and get communities back up online faster. So you have a military background. You went to West Point. You have a celebrated career in the Army, and then on to Harvard Business School. How did you get into this? I uh, have spent the last 15 years of my career as a venture capitalist. Uh, I've had a very unique focus, though. Uh, I've been really focused on technologies that are relevant to U.S. national security, defense, and intelligence. But further, my career has been unique in that I tended not to invest in existing companies, but rather to build companies from scratch leveraging intellectual property and concepts coming from U.S. federal laboratories and U.S. universities. Over the course of my career, I've had the privilege of starting 10 of these companies and scaling them. Some have worked out uh, and some haven't. But uh, the last one I created was a company called Hawkeye 360. It was a real success story right at the beginning. And I so enjoyed starting the company and running it, that when the time came for us naturally to hire a CEO and for me to go to the board and and provide governance and start the next company, I just felt so connected to the company that I decided to focus on it full time. So I left my venture capital firm about four years ago, and I've been running the company as full-time CEO since then. Um, So you've lived in Hingham for a long time. Um, Tell us about your roots here and your wife, Danielle, and your kids. Certainly. Well, we moved here in 2007. Uh, we've had a, a great experience over the close to 15 years that, that we've been living in Hingham. 
uh, our four children are, are growing up here and, and love the community. They love the, the sports programs. It's been a really phenomenal place for us to raise our children and to feel part of the fabric of our small society here. Your mother-in-law also, back in the day, was the high school French teacher, Mrs. Flaherty. Shout out, Mamie. There are many people in this town who still stop me and, and my wife to uh, reminisce about taking her course, as well as the trips that my mother-in-law supervised, as well as my father-in-law, to, to France that they would run each year. That's awesome. That's awesome. You are engaged in a very high-level, high-stress industry. Give us one Hingham Tide spot or activity or whatever that helps you get centered. So I've enjoyed being a part of the Hingham Little League board, but even more importantly, I've enjoyed coaching my children in Little League. Just this past year, we had three of our kids in various stages of the program and getting to coach those three teams was just a phenomenal experience for me. And and as you point out, a great way in which to balance uh, my life. Excellent. Excellent. Well, neighbor, I thank you very much for this conversation. It was terrific. Okay. Thank you. I want to thank my podcasting partner, producer, editor, Kristen Keefe. She is incredibly talented and a very good human. Thank you, too, to Hingham Cast alum, intern Cam Baker, for his work on this piece. Our website was designed by Donna Mavramatis and her team at Mavril Creative. I'm Ellie Dunley. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Yeah.